It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Avalanche fans, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever and whenever you may be listening, and thank you for joining the Locked On Avalanche podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, Chris Maselli, with another episode and another week, maybe a truncated one, but it's another week of the Locked On Avalanche podcast, the podcast dedicated to your one and only Colorado Avalanche. So hope everybody had a good weekend, a safe weekend. Hopefully everybody is uh, doing well during these very difficult times. And if nothing else, hopefully this is just a 20-minute plus respite uh, that we can kind of just talk about the avalanche. And what better way to do that than to go back to really when it all started for the Avs and kind of revisit that very first year when they moved from Quebec to Colorado, Denver, and won the cup. I figured we would break this up across the week, and because we're doing shows Monday, Wednesday, Friday for this week and for the foreseeable future until the season can return in some sort of capacity, uh, we're going to do three shows a week. And I figured we'd break it up, kind of just, number one, just look back on it today, and then on Wednesday, kind of go through the season and pick out important moments of the season. And then on Friday, talk about the playoffs and the Stanley Cup. So we're going to get into that. Uh, we are going to these, this new, what's it called? New Avs girl or new, new I don't know what it is. I got to look it up. <laughs> I, I have the audio I'm going to play for you. It's uh, the Alan Roach clip that I played from last week. I think it's new Avs girl or something like that. I'll look it up when I, when I take a break here in a second. Uh, they're really cool, really short bite videos and they're, they're right on the Colorado Avalanche YouTube channel. Uh, and she interviews, it's just, I like those like behind the scene type of things. They're only like two minutes long in length or they don't take up too much of your time. And it's all those things that you don't, well, that, that you, that you know of and you think about maybe subconsciously. Um, and she kind of just goes and interviews them. And the one that I'm going to have for you today is the, the Drake, the, Drake, Jake Schroeder one, uh, who's been singing the national anthem at Colorado Avalanche games, as you will hear for 23 years now. Uh, so it's just things like that. Hearing people that you don't normally hear about. And the only time you really do hear them is when they have a microphone in their face, when they're singing the national anthem or announcing a Colorado Avalanche goal. So uh, we'll get to that. And then I figured towards the end, why not start talking about the draft? It's never too early to start talking about the draft. I love talking about any drafts and possible picks and prospects. I typically don't even start my my draft, my NHL draft. Uh, I don't want to say coverage because I haven't been doing this since a uh, for a Colorado Avalanche offseason, but my own personal just looking into and uh, pre- preparation, I guess, until the season is over. But I don't know really when there's a good time to do it. And although it's been, the draft has been pushed back. It's been, I mean, indefinitely. We can still talk about it. There's obviously t- 
tons of NHL mock drafts out there. So I'll bring those up and we'll see what players they pick. And while I haven't really looked into too many players yet, which I promise you I will because I absolutely love doing it, I already have one that's kind of sticking out as a favorite of mine. And he is being attached to the Avalanche in a couple mock drafts, so we'll get into that. So before we get into all of that stuff, I know big intro, but first things first, follow the show on Twitter, L-O-P-N underscore Avalanche. Follow on Instagram, search for Lockdown Avalanche. Send your comments, questions, concerns, opinions. If you have any say on who you think the Avs should draft, if you follow that type of stuff, send all that to LockdownAvalanche at gmail.com. So, like I said, we're going to get into the 1995-1996 Colorado Avalanche season. And obviously, it was a pretty magical season. The very first year in existence for the Avalanche. Um, And... You know, it's been well documented on the whole move from Quebec to Colorado. And as long as Colorado is going to be around, you are always going to have those people that are going to wear Nordique jerseys, kind of just paying homage to where they came from. You always say, oh, you never forget where you came from. Uh, But and I think maybe there's still some bitter people. I'm sure there's still some bitter people in Quebec which is which is understandable. They had a professional sports team that is no longer there, and the first year that they leave, they win a championship. And it's not like Colorado was getting a bad team. The previous year, Quebec finished first. Uh, I have their... It was a shortened season, uh, but they still finished first. And so, yeah, the Avalanche were, were coming in, you know, with a solid team. And it just couldn't work in Quebec. It's a small market. It was, to my knowledge, I think the smallest market in the NHL and tried to make it work. And it just, it, it couldn't work. And which is why I think there hasn't been hockey back there since. There's a very small amount of people who say that it could actually work there. I don't know if it ever would. I would, I love small markets. So I would love to see them get another team. Although, now that Seattle's coming into the mix in another year, uh, probably not going to happen because we got odd number, odd number, or an even number of teams. Now there's an odd number of teams now. Seattle will make it an even number of teams, and I think that's pretty much it. So unless a team moves to Quebec, which I cannot see happening, um, I think that's going to be the writing on the wall for uh, hockey in Quebec. But nonetheless, they moved to Colorado, and Colorado benefited. And, I mean, it, it's like... Your very first season, you pull off and do what they did in winning a Stanley Cup. It's like, well, this is this is what's going to be like every year. <laughs> it's almost like the Joe Montana or not Joe Montana, uh, Dan Marino going to the Super Bowl in his first season, although he lost it. Uh, you would think, oh, he's going to go to plenty of them. Never got there again, but uh, it worked out well for the Avalanche. They have won two Stanley Cups since then. It had a really solid run. And that first year was was something very, very special. Um, 47, 25, and 10 was their record. 104 points, finished first in the Pacific. Um, going through some stats here, Joe Sackick obviously led the way. 120 points on the season, which is to the tune of 51 goals, 69 assists. Forsberg with 116 points. 30 goals, 
86 assists, and Kamensky was 85 points, 38 goals, 47 assists. And then it goes down from there. Lemieux with 71, Scott Young was with 60, Ozilinch with 50, Deadmarsh with 48, uh, Chris Simon with 34, Stefan Yell, who was always one of my favorites, had 27. Um, just a, a solid, solid team. When you look at their, I guess it's their, you know, their their game chart. I want to call it. You can go to hockeyreference.com and check this out. They just have a timeline of games, of each game that's played, and it's it's a graph. And if it's a win, it's a green bar going up with the score. And if it's if it's a loss, it's a red bar going down with the score. And just looking at this at face value and looking just just taking it all in, it's a lot of green on here. Uh, and there's not there's not too much red. And if it's a high scoring game, that green bar gets higher. Or if the or Avalanche whoever wins, if the Avalanche win the green bar is high. If it's like a one nothing game, it's just a little tiny green bar. If it's a, I don't know, a 12 to two win like they did against San Jose, uh, that green bar is very high. A lot of high green bars in this season in review, I guess. And they were second in the league in, in, score, in uh, scoring. 326 goals on the season, which was second. I don't know who first is. I could probably look it up, but um, it was it was just a a dominant dominant team. And if for goals against twenty two hundred forty, which is eighth, so they're in the top ten for both of those things for for both of those stats. That is the sign of a winning roster and a winning team, and they did. Uh, so what we are going to talk about on Wednesday is kind of going through the regular season and and breaking this up and seeing like some of the bigger games uh, that were on the schedule for them. If I can find some clips, which I should be able to, we'll play some audio clips from some of those games, but um, I figured it'd be a kind of a fun way to look back. And then on Friday, going to the playoffs where they were completely dominant and never went to a game seven uh, throughout the entirety of the playoffs. And of course that sweep, in the Stanley Cup final. So should be something fun to do. And we'll uh, look back at the regular season on Wednesday with the Stanley Cup and playoffs on Friday. My name is Paul Stewart, a third-generation Irishman from Dorchester, Mass. I made it to the NHL as both a player and a referee. I was even elected to the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. When I was skating, I had my share of lumps and bumps. I gave a few back, too. As a stand-up old-school guy, I've always been hesitant to try fads, but recently I became a big fan of a company called Easy Feeling Wellness. A hockey buddy sent me 1,000 milligrams of intensive relief rub. Easy Feeling markets a line of natural plant-based hemp extract products, including gummies, soft gels with melatonin, and tinctures. Their motto is to enjoy every day, which all of us banged-up baby boomers and old skaters can relate to. Easy Feeling products are non-addictive. They don't get you high, and they're perfectly legal. Give Easy Feeling a try by going to easyfeelingwellness.com. They will even give you 20% off your first order by using my special code, PS20. Easy Feeling Wellness. Enjoy every day. Don't Luca now, but the Los Angeles Clippers might be in trouble. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. 
Dallas Mavericks forward Luka Doncic dropped a triple-double and an overtime buzzer-beating three-pointer to tie their series with the Los Angeles Clippers. You have to listen to Locked On Mavericks today for a very hype Nick Angstadt. To the NFL, where 77 positive COVID tests from 11 teams were re-examined by a New Jersey lab. All of those tests have now come back negative. For the latest on the NFL's quest to return, subscribe to Locked On NFL and the new Peacock and Williamson NFL show. And finally, sources tell ESPN's Adam Schefter that Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson missed two training camp practices due to a groin injury. Listen to Locked On Ravens for the latest on the reigning MVP and why the team released Earl Thomas. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So we have no idea what's going on with the extras after the season is, uh, I, I don't know if it's going to be, say it's concluded or just suspended or canceled, whatever the case may be. Whenever the draft happens, uh, I look forward to that like it's Christmas. Uh, from top to bottom and not just what the avalanche do i just one of my favorite things is just seeing matchups and how who picks up a player if it fills a need if they reached for somebody if you just think oh my god this is a slam dunk they're going to take this kid and they don't um happens more often in like football which that draft is out of control in a good way um I just look forward to to drafts and and off seasons and free agency signings, which we'll probably have a show on that too. But we will definitely have uh, many shows on the draft, and I always like looking at mock drafts and seeing where and I, like the collection of players across many different websites say that the Avalanche who they'll take. Kind of like weigh that. Say like who who's this kid that they say? Look at another draft and see if that th- that website doesn't have him as the the place that the Avalanche will you know the Avalanche will take this guy. But where is he? Is he a lot earlier than that? Is he a lot later than that? Um, I kind of like looking at that stuff, and then I'll use Trusty Old YouTube and look up uh, videos on these kids. Um, some of them blow you away. Some of them say like, okay, he could be a project, but he might be worth it. So we don't really know the official order because, and, and, you know, with a lot of these mock drafts, we kind of have an idea of where the avalanche will be, uh, probably in the mid to late twenties. Um, but we don't know because the season is not completed. So most of these drafts have them selecting around then. So, um, might as well get to it. So there's two different ones on the bleacher report. They have one of them, Colorado, picking at 29, which is the lowest any of these have them picking. And I'm going to butcher butcher these names because I'm not familiar with these guys yet, so I apologize way in advance uh, as I get to study them more and get to know them more. I'm sure I will figure out the names. Um, and right off the bat, sorry, I, don't, I, I cannot pronounce his name. His first name is Shakir. His last name is, oh, mm, man. Makama Doolin, Makama Doolin. Uh, he's a, and I think this is a little bit of a stretch because he's a defender. I don't think the abs are going to go in the defensive mindset in the first round. I mean, anything is possible, but I don't think that's going to happen in the first round. In the other Bleacher Report draft, they have them 
picking at 27, and they have them picking Zion Nybeck. That guy is the one guy that I am pretty familiar with, and he might be a little bit of a stretch, but I think the Avalanche are in a position where they can stretch for somebody if they feel like he might bring something to the team, maybe not immediately, but they are a patient franchise. Maybe they take a run at this kid. He's little. He's a tiny kid. But like I've said before, don't, you know, that that pretty much goes out the window when you see what he can do. He's an offensive powerhouse. So why not add a little bit more offense to this unit? I think that would be a phenomenal pick. So right now, and and trust me, my who I want them to take will go all over the place. Just because right now I am liking this Zion Nybeck kid, uh, in a week or two, that could absolutely change. I don't think there's ever been a time where the first person I see right off the bat, I've stuck with that person. So first time for everything, but right now, I like him. Uh, this is at draftsite.com. They have Colorado picking 27. And again, a name I apologize for, Vasily Ponomarov. I believe that's how you say that. Um, again, don't know much about him. But if you want to take a look at other the other names that I've mentioned so far, the Shakir Makamadulin. They have the Rangers taking him at 23. And where is, I don't even think Zion Nybeck's in the first round on this one. Wow, I'm still going here. Still going. I'm looking. Wow. All right. I'm going to have to come back to you on this one because I don't see him in here right now. And this could be from earlier in the year, too. I don't even I don't even know what the date is on this one. But uh, regardless, what's this one here? We have great name for a website. Tankathon. Tankathon.com. Uh, this is an interesting one. I'm a little bit familiar with and I, I say I'm familiar with him, but I can't pronounce his last name again. Ty Smilanik, 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 I believe it is. He is committed to Quinnipiac, and I have seen him, I mean, late second, even early third to late first. And I don't know why yet. So um, I'm going to kind of really look into him because that's interesting when a guy is all over the place. Um, and, and that there's much, there's that much of a discrepancy. There's got to be a reason for it. So, um, and, and again, the Zion Nybeck is, they don't even have him going in the first round. So there you go. I mean, but you're going to get that. You're going to get that when you are a late first round picking team, you are going to have mock drafts that have a guy show up and then if they're just showing you the first round and then not show up at all, because those are the guys that obviously late first round, early second round. So, um, but again, picking 28th Vegas golden Knights, Shakir Makamadulin. So he's keeps showing up have to look into this guy. Uh, who we have here. We have my NHL They have the avalanche at 27 taking Zion Nybeck. There he is again. Um, don't see, don't see my man Shakir on this one, which is interesting. Um, 
Yeah, I think that's all the drafts I have right now. But I don't know why. I, I think I think Nybeck is a pretty pretty good talent. He like I said, he's he's a small kid, five foot eight. Five foot eight, hundred and seventy six pounds. But he's got really good speed. Uh and his forecheck is from what I've seen on the few videos I've watched are are solid. Uh he gets after the puck. So we shall see. I'm gonna definitely keep up with mock drafts and as the week goes on uh and we kind of get an understanding of when the draft is going to be i say that and i'm probably just going to do it anyway i'm not going to wait because i just love diving in and looking at uh like the the bios and the videos of these kids uh but you're already starting to see names pop up and like i said nybeck is one of them um vasily panamarov is another one. So you're, you're starting to see names kind of assigned, not necessarily to a team, but to a section. Late first round, early second round. And those are the guys that are going to be targeted by the Avalanche. So I love doing this stuff. So be prepared for a lot more draft coverage as the days and weeks go on. Oh, say can you see by the dawn's early light. So Jake, how long have you been doing this singing at Pepsi Center? This is my 23rd year. 23rd year doing the anthem here, yeah, for the Avalanche. Wow. Does yeah. that ever get old, 23 years? No, no, it's, it's, so, it's such an honor and it's so exciting and, and I love singing the anthem. What is your favorite memory singing the anthem here at Pepsi Center? You know, game seven here in 2001 was pretty incredible. It was pretty amazing, you know, in between stanzas here and Patrick Watt hitting his pads with his stick and just, just so excited, you know, it was pretty cool. Something really cool about the national anthem here at Pepsi Center is how the fans get involved in the line the flag was still there. Can you explain the history behind that? Yeah, you know, that was something that just organically started happening after 9-11. Uh, they just started doing it. It's, they just kind of kept doing that, really. I love it. have their thing that they do where they yell out a certain word or whatever but the fact that ours is such a patriotic neat thing that just happened by happenstance is really wonderful i really appreciate that you'll reach your 1000th game within the next year when you reflect back on how long you've been doing it what kind of goes through your mind how old i am and, and how fast that all went you know when i first started doing it, i was contemporaries with the players and they were you know friends of mine and now they're like my my kids age right or younger than my kids which is really terrifying you know but all my all my children have grown up coming to games and just being made to feel like I'm part of the Avalanche family has been really wonderful a really wonderful part of my life for a long time so you gotta love Drake Schroeder don't you uh, a thousand games coming up on that uh, pretty spectacular. And if you're an Avalanche fan and obviously you follow them and you watch them on TV, you've seen sideline reporter, uh, side ice reporter, Lauren Jabara, who has sang the national anthem a couple times. Does that mean he's kind of seen his way out? I don't know. I mean, he's doing it for 23 years. Uh, even though it's something that only takes a couple minutes, but you're, you're known for that. So, uh, We'll see. I hope guys like this, you just hope stick around forever. Uh, so while they're here, you have to just appreciate what you have uh, 
uh, until it's gone. And something as, as I don't want to say as simple as the national anthem, because it's not simple, uh, but you, 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 you're not going to the game for the national anthem to be sung, but when you go to an avalanche game, you look forward to that because you know that he is, he's going to be the one singing it. Um, and the flag was still there part. Uh, I mean, if you didn't know it was about nine 11, you probably could have guessed that probably started around the, the, you know, the nine 11, um, attacks. And that's kind of when that started. But, um, even hearing him talk about it can still hear, hear that it still kind of affects him as it does many people, even though it's almost 20 years ago now, which is crazy just to think about that aspect. But, uh, it's awesome. It's awesome that he, he is again, another person like Alan Roach that is part of the avalanche family. We're lucky to have people like that. So, uh, enjoy it while we have it. So that's going to be it for today, guys. Uh, we'll be off tomorrow. We'll see you back here on Wednesday when we will discuss the 1995-1996 regular season and also one of the moments from this past year that kind of stood out. We did the Adam Werner shutout, um, and I think we're going to talk about Tyson Jost and his hat trick early on, which was a great moment against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So we'll talk about that on Wednesday at well as well. All right, guys. Have a good couple days. We'll see you on Wednesday. Here's Joby. Go, Abs, go.